Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Sean Higgins, founder and CEO of Daymakers Moving and Storage. Moving is a massive project with lots of moving pieces. That is why Daymaker optimizes the moving process to make it as smooth and painless as it can be. Everyone on Sean's team are committed to treating customers the way they would want to be treated, with respect for time, budget, property, and personal needs. Sean dreamed up the idea of Daymakers while working for another moving company. With this company, he saw the poor treatment of clients and employees. There were no valued relationships, and people were treated like numbers. So Sean sought out to be the change. Daymaker started up in 2015 and immediately changed the game by emphasizing the importance of impacting people, both clients and employees alike, with lasting positive experiences rather than hyper-focusing on the bottom line. Moving is one of the top five most stressful events a person will go through in their life. Sean and Daymakers alleviate that stress and burdens of moving all while getting the job done and providing premier customer service. So we are honored to have Sean here today. Thank you for being here, my friend. Hey, this is great. I I, I was really excited to get on and, and share my story and hopefully inspire some of you guys to get out there and go for it. Yes, absolutely. So we took our crack at your origin story, but I'd love to hear in your own words, how really did this company come about? Man, it's it was quite the ride because like we were talking earlier, I um, I was a, a drug addict, drug addict for my early teens all the way through my early 20s. Um, and I had a pretty crazy experience in the back of a cop car and, and my whole life changed. I got rocketed into uh, what we call the fourth dimension of existence in, in the program I'm in. And we started like, uh, I started to see things differently. I, I started to go for things that my life started to line up. And, and before it was all just run of the mill, hopelessness, kind of demoralization down and out. And now all of a sudden I'm like, man, I got the, I got the power to dream. Well, uh, I ended up getting pretty strong in my faith and decided that I wanted to do something to impact the community. I wanted to do something to be an agent of change. I, wa- I wanted to be more than just going through the numbers, punching a nine to five. And, and my wife and I, we like Shark Tank. I mean, who doesn't like Shark Tank, right? right. It's, it's such an, a fun and inspirational show. And my wife's like, you could do that. You could do something like that. And I was like, nah, you know, I couldn't, you know, and she's like, no, you could, you could go for it, go for it. So I was like, you said I was working for a moving company and I thought, well, awesome. Let's, let's just, I'll get a truck. I'll work three days a week. Um, and then I'll go out and take, uh, you know, live on some of the money and go out and take the other days of the week to, uh, to, um, go out and impact the community, try to find somewhere to plug in, maybe help some drug addicts or alcoholics, homeless people. There's a lot of stuff we, we had dreamed up and have done. So I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be great. Well, pretty much immediately I was working eight days a week. It was like, there was no, no time. And I had really no idea what was going on. I'm not, I'm not a businessman. I wasn't a businessman. I'm a visionary by nature. I mean, I like to dream big and, and go after stuff, but, um, I, I really had no idea what I was doing. And thankfully I got hooked up with this guy. His name's John O'Malley. He does a uh, business coaching. He's a consultant and he kind of filled the gaps for me. I remember in our first meeting, my phone and my wife's phone were ringing off the hook. And he's like, you guys got a receptionist and we're kind of like, wait, what's that? Like, you know, that's how little we know about business. We're like a receptionist. Yeah. He's like, you can hire someone to answer the phone. I'm like, let's go. Like I like you're hired, that's man. A great you're, idea. On, <laughs> you're on the deal. So 
Um, all that to be said, we started this out with real altruistic motives, real uh, like a philanthropy. Like we wanted this business to fund other stuff outside of ourselves. And that's really shaped how we viewed business. So that's kind of an important part of the origin story. Um, my wife was reading a book called Life of a Daymaker uh, by the guy who did Aveda Salons. Um, he had this philosophy that, you know, you can just do the littlest thing in someone's life or in someone's day to kind of just brighten it. And uh, that's where we got the name for the company, Daymakers Moving. So, Wow. Wow. Well, the first thing it makes me think of is, is I think the wake up call we all have at the beginning of a real business venture is businesses are kind of like babies. There's no real part time raising them at the beginning, you know. We think like, yeah, I'll just do it a few hours a day or whatever. And it's like, no, if it's not a side thing, if it's a real thing, the thing's like a baby. It takes so much of your time, your concentration to keep it alive, to see it grow. So what were some of those things that, that helped you navigate that early season when you didn't know what you're doing, just like many new parents, right? You didn't know what you're doing, but you got this thing on your hand and you're trying to give it the resources it needs to grow. Well, I think one of my best, uh, the best thing that happened to me is that I didn't know and I was aware that I didn't know what I was doing. So I did grab on to people and listen to things like, you know, uh, zero to 5,000, just anything I could to grab on to somebody who did it before me. Um, and, and I didn't throw their opinion out, you know, if they had already succeeded, if they had gotten somewhere I wanted to be, well, man, I better listen to them. And you know, you know what some, you know, you eat the meat and you spit out the bones on yeah. some stuff, but it was like, I just stayed humble and, um, and just kept to be, and was driven because, you know, the startup stuff you're talking about, the time, the energy, the sacrifice missing out on, you know, birthdays, cause something breaks down and you got to go in and you're the only guy, um, that really keeps you going too. Cause it's like, man, I sacrificed so much already. I can't just throw this thing in the garbage. I mean, I mm. got to see this succeed. I have to see it succeed for my family. I have to see it succeed for my wife and, uh, you know, just latching on and staying humble. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take? from when you first rolled it out and you got your truck and you're starting to do this thing to where it felt like, I think this is going to work. We did. So we just did the, the, we had a specific number in mind of what we were going to do for revenue in our first year. And we wanted to do 75,000 real, just bare bones. That's what we wanted. And we hit 215 and I was like, okay, this like Whoa. at the end of the year, seeing that and getting the, kind of some of that money transferred into your bank account you're like this thing might actually go somewhere like we might actually be doing something and then you know this year we're we're uh aimed at four million so it's like 50 times what we anticipated doing five <laughs> years ago so i i think you, you, although i i said we got in this for altruistic reasons which is true the the true um measure of whether or not you're doing a good job is if you have money in the bank account you know if you don't have so once we started seeing like man there's we can go buy a truck we don't even have to take out a loan that started to click in my head like this is something like this is more than i ever dreamed of so yes yeah dude that so we've talked about this before on the podcast but you know you and i chatted ahead of time i was in uh, ministry and stuff before this and helped nonprofits and all that now i'm in a for-profit started a for-profit business both are necessary in the world, but sometimes we're not clear on which business we're starting, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes we start a for-profit business that should be a non-profit business. Like its lead indicators shouldn't really be how much revenue it's making. It doesn't need to put that pressure on itself. And then other times we've got it mixed up where we're operating like a non-profit inside of a business that like the greatest gift is that it can provide its own resources. That if you go out and do a really good job, it gives you the revenue to do what you wanted to do 
right? Mm -hmm. To be 100%. generous or to invest in the business or to invest in other people's lives. And that's the gift of a for-profit business if led with integrity and you really have a service that meets a need, well, it should pay for itself. And then you're the bar you're the lender, not the borrower, you know? Um, so talk to me about that. Like, did that ever, was that ever like a confusion in your mind? Like, which one is this going to be? Should I even care about the profits? Or when you start to get a vision for this being a profitable business, what this could do for you? Well, I, you know, I, I really lean on some Christian principles. I, you know, it, there's one proverb in the old Testament that says extravagant giving never leads to poverty. So I just latched onto that. I said, you know wow. what, if, and I know even in secular thinking, like I've, I've heard Tony Robbins talk about being generous. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a worldly principle as well now that, you know, being generous can really, um, I know it's, it, it's people say, well, you could give it all away, but I mean, I feel like it's just whether you call it yin and yang or the universe or whatever it is, if you throw it out there, it's coming back to you. So I did have to eventually hire somebody to help make sure that we weren't constantly getting taken advantage of, you know, we, we were pretty adamant in the beginning about, Hey, if people were, um, didn't have the finances that we'd be there to help. And if something went wrong on their move, we were always extremely generous in what we gave back. And it did get to a point where people were like, you know, I think some of these people are taking advantage of us, but I, I really did want to lean on the side of, mm -hmm. I'd rather be taken advantage of than have screwed somebody over. That was a, a big uh, part of, of who I wanted to be with, with money. Uh, but then in the end, I had to realize like, Hey, just like with anything, just like with any position that I can't fulfill myself, I had to hire somebody to make sure they were being that person in the company. So I got a guy on board to say like, Hey, we want to be generous, but you know, my heart, you know, I have a hard time saying, no, can you be the no guy? And he's like, heck yeah, I'll be the no guy. He, yeah. you know, he liked it. So, um, it, it is important that you kind of realize exactly what you're saying. Like, are, are we being too generous and are we being taken advantage of, but there's ways to get around it. It's not just that all of a sudden one day you have to go like, we're not, I'm not going to be generous anymore. It's like, Hey, can yeah. I get some more thinking some, some more heads in this meeting with me to make sure we're staying true to my heart, but also true to the business. Man, again, such a such a needed distinction that I think is often hard to tell in the moment. But again, I, I think about Jesus and I would say that guy by no means was a pushover, right? Like if you look at no. him, did anybody w walk over him? Mm. No, absolutely not. But yet he sacrificed his entire life. So the difference though is choice. The difference is one is being a doormat where we think in the name of generosity or love like we could be taken advantage of and you walk over me, and it's like, no, that's not what this means. You know, there's one there's one uh, particular passage where a crowd tried to push him off a mountain, and he just said no, and he walked right through the crowd, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then even if you think about, like, the whole crucifixion story, he was not captured. He turned himself in. Yeah. That's yeah. a difference. Like, the difference is, you're not taking me, I'm going. And mm -hmm. so I think in business, it could be the same thing, which is like, you're not taking advantage of me. I'm choosing to forgive this debt, you know? And mm -hmm. that's where we need to have those people watch out for you that say, actually, no, that's being taken advantage of us. We need a policy here or we need to work out something with this customer versus you saying, hey, I see that situation and I want us just to do it for free. Yeah. That's choosing to be sacrificial. Does that make sense? hundred percent. It's it's a hundred percent. And then because you know, it, it also says that God likes a cheerful giver. So like, Hey, I don't, if, you know, I want to be happy about giving out to people. I don't want to be like, Oh God, that guy got me, but yeah, yeah. You have it. You know, it's, it's not like that. And we have stood up sometimes, you know, we went to small claims court. We've done what we've had to do to get, to get paid in certain situations, but it's, it's just about 
when money isn't the bottom line, like you, like you were saying in the beginning, we're, yeah. our company isn't like all about the bottom line. It's not about turning a quarterly profit. Although yes, we do need to, but that's, we measure things more in like customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction, um, community outreach is a huge thing. So like if those three things are happening, then the bottom line is exciting. But if it like, mm. all it is, is about money. I mean, money's like kind of the lowest hanging fruit in life as far as things that cause you to feel, I don't know, successful. It's like, there's yeah. so much more above money than, than, uh, than, uh, in the success realm. So, yeah, man, I don't know if you've heard this or not before. I see if I can do it by memory, but I remember somebody, a mentor teaching me this years ago about the five different capitals, that there's different kinds of resources, right? And so finances, like money is a source of capital is a resource but it's the bottom of the five in the pyramid so it's not unimportant by any means it's just one of five then there's relational capital there's intellectual capital there's spiritual capital and maybe intellectual if i already said that one or not intellectual capital and i just thought like wow that's so interesting to like see the different types of value and that's how i think like yeah they're all valuable but in what order and am i investing in things besides just one of these does that make sense hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's, that's hard for us as Americans, especially when we're quarterly driven, you know, I'm by no means a communist or support socialist China or any of that, but they, I mean, they have a 2000 year vision in, in America. We're just driven by the next quarter all the time, you know, mm. and it's, it, that speaks a lot, you know, to say like how, how far out in the future am I, am I even thinking about the inheritance I'm going to leave? And I'm not talking money. I'm talking legacy. What kind of inheritance am I going to leave for my kids? What kind of a legacy am I going to leave for myself? When you start thinking in those terms, integrity becomes a big part of it. And so yeah. these small decisions that you might brush under the rug, like, yeah, I can mark this off and lie on my taxes to save this, or, you know, that really wasn't a write off, but you know, I can get away with it because I got the receipt and, and all that stuff. You know, when you, when you're thinking legacy and, and the kind of legacy you want to leave, those things become important. Like, nah, I'm not going to mm. do that. Cause that's, a, that's a slippery slope. Next thing you know, I'll be, um, right and trying to get away with more and you know i went through a tax audit so i know they're gonna find it anyway you know what i mean they know what they're doing they found gatorades i didn't even know guys put on <laughs> fuel receipts so uh, they, they they don't joke around so wow okay so what i'm curious about you know there's a whole bunch of different versions of companies that have different aims yours is very values and vision driven mm -hmm. especially with the, even the name of daymakers what did it look like or what has it looked like to take a business idea, moving, storage, that kind of thing, and infuse it with the vision that you have for it, infuse it with the values you have for it? What did it look like to, to kind of bring that into this business? Oh, man, it's what it's so much fun. I don't know if you've ever heard of the e-myth. It's pretty, you yeah. know, it's popular. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of you guys even listen to this podcast. Have heard of, if you haven't pick it up, it's great. Because when once I started to realize what seat I was in and at what time and started to say like, hey, I've been ignoring this whole ownership seat or the, the top, the, the entrepreneur seat and jumped into that seat and said like, man, I can twist this here and change that there and add this here and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, I can move this over there it started to actually really become fun. You know, the entrepreneur seat is the funnest seat in the entire company, in my opinion. So uh, that's what, that's, that's what it was for me. It was just a blast. And you know, when it also is frustrating too, when you see this vision and then it doesn't come to pass, you're like, dang it, you know, banging your head off the wall. Like I just wasted seven months trying to yeah. pull this thing together. But so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I think of that. Okay. So you're saying before you were kind of in that self-employed 
seat where you're just out there doing the work, working in the business, but then you started getting a vision for what happens if I actually see myself as the, the owner, the operator of the business, and there's pieces to move around, there's culture to create, that, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So what did you start with when you, when you moved into that seat? What kinds of things did you start to dream about and implement? Well, just how do I get myself out of those two seats a hundred percent? You know, when they started talking about, do you own a job or do you own a business? I was like, dang, I don't want to, I didn't like having a job and I definitely mm. don't want to own a job. I, I want to be the, I want to be, um, the freedom that comes with owning a business. I wanted the time, you know, cause that is the biggest resource of all is time. So I, so I started to work around creating a team under me and investing in people that, um, otherwise didn't get a shot. You know, that was the coolest part about it is I took a lot of second chance people and people that were like from the bottom of the barrel, as far as entry level employees come and started to see like, which one actually has it, but never got a shot in life. And then when I found those people, we started to, you know, you can get them at a little bit of a cheaper price so that you can, your startup can still function like it's a bigger company mm. and not have to actually be a bigger company. And then as we grew, I was able to pay them more, but in that was like kind of my first thing, like, let's, let's start taking stuff off my plate. And then giving them a voice in the company too. That's a big thing that, that changed the culture was like, Hey, yeah, I own this, but so what, like without you guys, it's nothing. So let's figure out how we can all feel like we own this and move forward together. And once that culture was established, man, the buy-in people were, some of these guys would have worked for free just to see this thing lift off the ground. Mm. How long did it take? I know it probably happened in stages, but how long did it take till you felt like functionally you were out of that seat? I'm still dabbling back and forth in it. You know, I, I don't do any moving anymore. That's, but that's, you know, well, I shouldn't say that sometimes if there's a long distance trip and they need my license, I'll, I'll take them down. But you know, you, you, it's like a percentage wise, like I'm one year I was functioning 50, 50. And then the next year I'm doing 70, 30. And now this year, I think I'm probably more like 95 and 5%. I mean, it's really hard. I think within the first five to 10 years to, to be able to fully be out of every seat as an owner, unless you really rock to the moon. But, um, I I'd say it, it's, it, it goes in stages, but every time you take a percent and put it in the entrepreneur seat, it feels like a victory, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. W looking back now, it's been, I guess, coming on six years that you, you have operated this company. What do you think has been so successful? Like, it's not just working. It's not like, Oh, this pays, pays me, you know, a salary, this thing's really working. So mm -hmm. just from a business standpoint, why do you think it's been so successful? hundred it's, it, I a hundred percent credit it to how I view what it means to, to have a business in a community. Like they are, they're providing me with a chance to go out there and serve them. And if I look at it from the standpoint of like, I own this business, you guys just got to deal with it. Or like, I get to go serve my community. Yeah. Um, then you start to actually see um, when, when a bad review comes in, you, you actually take the time to figure it out, correct it, give, get that person to, uh, feel like you've taken care of them. It's, it's really important. And then same with the employees. Um, I've gone above and beyond to make sure that anyone who had a bad experience with daymakers moving was taken care of in the end. And, and, and I always ask the question, um, if somebody asked you about daymakers moving now, would you still have a bad taste in your mouth about it? And if I don't get a yes or no, no, I don't have a bad taste in my mouth about it. Then we, I'm like, well, what more can we do? And sometimes 
you hand out a check or you, you provide a free service or you do something you're like, Oh, that's a little bit bigger than I ever wanted to do. But it's, it's more important because you can take a bad experience and if you fix it and you do it the way that, uh, and you take care of that person, a one-star review can become a 10-star review. And we've seen that time and time again. So and wow. we're in the service industry, you know, it's, it's not, everything's going to go right all the time, but how you, how we dealt with it is exactly why we grew. Cause people want to know, that they're going to get taken care of. And especially when it comes to moving. Yeah. What, what was that question again? Cause that's a brilliant question. What was the question you asked that, that person? If somebody asks you about daymakers moving, are you still going to have a bad taste in your mouth? I love that. And I love even the nuance of a bad taste. Cause that it kind of hits at what you're really talking about, right? Like not just, did, will you change your rating? Will you change your review? You know, yeah, yeah. are you happy now? It's like, no, nah, did we remove that bad taste? That's, that's, that's a really insightful question. 100%. Man, so I'm, I'm curious, how do you go about instilling this kind of vision into your people? That's challenging in any kind of leadership, taking what you value or taking what you see and actually having that living inside of the people that are carrying out that vision. How do you guys go about instilling that? Well, so one, my door as an owner is always open for, I mean, I've walked some of my employees through really tough situations personally. And so that matters a lot to them. You know, when I'm really invested in their um, life outside of work, if they want me to be, if they don't want me to be fine, that's great. And so that alone causes a kind of this, oh, the, you know, the owner here, he's, he, he really does value us. And then also they do see the generous stuff we do in the community so that that also inspires some of them. But then again, you know, you're dealing with entry level workers. Um, we don't get the best of the best. These guys didn't go to college to become movers. So then you say, well, you got to go business on some of this too. So we had, we set up the process where we overestimated, um, our jobs. So the customer's bill is always going to come in lower than what their estimate was. We found out exactly the right deal. So maybe it's, it always comes in about $500 less than what, what we estimated, which huh. makes them happy. Why wouldn't you be jacked about that? But yeah. then instead of saying like a lot of companies, they're like, ah, tip the movers, whatever you want. We set up as a percentage, like, Hey, you know, instead of a 20 or a, or a 50, you know, we do 10% or 20% or something. And when people see that their bill came in $500 less, and then the guys treated them like rock stars, they're going to hit that 20% every time. And we really taught the guys like, Hey, we have set this up for you to get very large tips at the end of the day. If you treat the customer like a million bucks yes. and then just constantly in there in front of them about like, Hey, this is who we are. We want to be good movers. Like we don't want to be crappy movers like that's, but, but we're also not going to be like, the teamsters. We're not going to be able to carry pianos on our back. That's not what we're going for. <laughs> we're going to provide a good moving service, but we're going to provide the best customer service in the, in the industry from start to finish. And I just keep pushing that, pushing that every meeting. Hey, remember we're the up here. Quick trips are a gas station. It's a big deal. We're, we're quick trips. We're not McDonald's. McDonald's will provide a, the same thing every time, but we're quick trips. We get the best customer service. And in setting that culture, I mean, you have to be diligent about it. If you're not, people aren't just going to go out and move like you just because they work for you. You have right. to have a, a, a process, a system, and as well as it's got to be your culture. If it's not your culture, if it's not you as a business owner, it's it, they're, they're probably not going to pass it on because they're going to yeah. mimic what they see going on internally. So you definitely got a brilliant way of incentivizing the right behavior, which is just critical for psychology in general that we... We don't want to just expect it. We need to celebrate it. We need to incentivize it, which the tip structure and that kind of thing allows it to be incentivized. What would you do or what have you done if you see a crew or an individual 
they're just as consistently not getting it. They're just not living living out that high customer service uh, type approach. That is like we, as far as company, uh, as far as like um, uh, disciplinary stuff in the company, we let a lot slide when it comes to back at the warehouse or maybe when they're driving, not truck safety, but like maybe they get in a scuffle with another employee because it's a high stress environment. But when it comes to customer service, they know if, if, if they're, if, if, if it really was a, a, if they really did treat a customer poorly, that they're, they just, they got to go. And they understand mm. that the, the culture here knows that like you th- treating the customer, like a rock star is a number one. And if you miss that mark, you probably won't be able to work here anymore. Wow. I love that. I love having clear areas where it's non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's so easy sometimes to say that. But then when it comes down to it, like, well, one more chance, you know, and you end up not basically enforcing how serious this is to you. Yeah. And there is a lot of stuff in the company where it's like one more chance, you know, that there are some things where, you know, we follow the loose tight culture, like, Hey, in this area it can be loose and yeah, you, you, you screwed up here, but that non-negotiable because we're not gonna have a company if we, if we don't treat our customers like a million bucks. What's been the most challenging parts you know in the last six years as the leader of this organization what's been the most challenging part to you well it's kind of it's it's all based it's all based around employment you know finding especially anyone who had a business last this year or last year knows it's been a struggle especially if you're in the service industry and you're hiring entry-level people it's been a really big struggle to find guys that just want to work um but also to Um, bring people up into management, you know, some of those management positions went from like a guy you could get for 60 K now, all of a sudden you have to pay 95 to get him in the door. And it just puts us out of our budget. So trying to bring people up within the company and just when you're in startup mode system, I'm like you, like I'm an addict, man, like a workaholic, like I want all or nothing. Like, and so when I started systematizing the company, I wanted every system all the time. And I had these positions created that in, in just bringing people up into the management level and, and trying to get them to run this, the, the systems was, was a challenging part. So it all, it all really came to employment and, and, you know, getting people in the door who were consistent, who were going to show up for work uh, that weren't going to make, that weren't going to put us in a pickle, but yeah. We, it's not just about finding guys that helped us to solve that problem, but it was about creating processes about like, Hey, if we need 20 guys today, then we're bringing 30 in and making, cause we know five of them aren't going to show up. And if just in case 10 of them don't, we have 10 extra. And then, you know, so you got to be creative and, but in figuring out those processes, I really wanted to pull my hair out. <laughs> I bet. I bet. How many people are working for Daymakers now? Uh, 75 at the moment. Okay. And then how many of those, like, what did the leadership structure look like there? Um, so we have, um, a GM and then an ops manager, sales manager, um, some three supervisors under the ops, uh, three sales reps under the sales manager. Uh, and then you got your foreman and your movers. Wow. And then, uh, uh, even that you have to create that from scratch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that. A learning lesson and learning like what is our process where do we actually need leadership and and that kind of thing well i couldn't be a bigger uh proponent for getting yourself a good business coach because i would have had no i mean like i told you i didn't 
I, I'm like the LeBron James of owning a company. I just came out of high school and I barely <laughs> graduated that. So how would I ever know how to structure a company? So getting somebody, and, and if you did, you've got an MBA and that is your strong suit, then great. But if you don't get a business coach, cause man, they, yeah. they really can help you figure that stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in the building of this and the putting in of systems and processes and structures, was there anything in particular that once you, you added it to the company or got clarity or created, you know, something that you really saw a massive amount of leverage? Definitely with, you know, so for my industry, truck driving is a big deal. So it's a huge, you know, truck safety is a huge deal. So just spending the extra money to put the dash cameras, both front and rear facing the ELDs, mm. the stuff that tracks all that things that are like, man, that's a huge risk. Like somebody hits a guy and kills him in one of my trucks. That's not only going to weigh on my conscience, but could put me out of business. So like just saying like, Hey, I just got to pay for whatever we live in an awesome age, you know, 50 years ago, they didn't have that. So like now yeah. they do. Yeah. It's a little expensive, but I, I just got to do it to make sure I'm covering myself. So finding out where risks like that were, and then putting things that just force you to have leverage on it. That yes. was huge. That was a big one for us. And it's a, you know, a sizable investment on the front end. It's one of those things where you probably were is painful to to pay the cost at first, but the amount of security that's given you or transparency has got to be game changing, right? Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of people know, it's you don't have to watch your employees all the time, but if they think they're getting watched all the time, then they employ. <laughs> you know, so yeah, quite a, makes quite a difference. Yeah, we just started coaching this last year a uh, a few different factoring companies that are like in the trucking and delivery world. And I just have learned so much about it that, man, you just don't know up until a certain period of time with technology, you didn't know where was your truck? Was it dropping things off like it was supposed to, or keeping some of the shipments or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And just the amount of transparency that this can provide you now is, is really huge, even for an efficiency standpoint. Hundred percent. Yeah, we're it worked, and we're trying to get creative with some of it. I don't want to release too much right now because I, sure. I got, I think I got this proprietary thing we're going to try. But it gets fun, you know. Just because it says you have to use it a specific way doesn't mean you can't use it any way you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> the use what in particular? Well, like um, the data. Yeah. So figure it, you know, we could use this keep trucking thing because it's got a tr truck axle weight on it to see how much pounds they actually load per hour. And it was never even intended for that. So like looking within this to say like, man, that looks like that'd be good information to pass on because keep trucking, they make it for semis. They don't make it for moving companies. So what in it would benefit us that they didn't even realize? Yeah. Yeah. Again, back to that, what you're talking about is fun earlier when you get to play this a little bit like a game. You yeah. know, you see the different pieces and, Ooh, we could try this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you gotta be willing, you know, you gotta spend money to make money in, in business. It really, if you have it, you have to, it, sometimes you try things and it's like, man, this was great. And sometimes it's like, what a waste of money, but you, you can't figure it out unless you, you take the risk. Yeah, absolutely. So what gets you excited now? I know you mentioned before the podcast that at this point you're able to kind of have two careers. You're able to have this business not working autonomously from you, but demanding less and less from you. And you and your wife are able to do ministry and, and that kind of work as well. What do you, what, what do you get you excited about the future of what you're doing here? Business wise, we're talking about getting into a couple other cities. So we're, we're going to try uh, dropping a separate location um, relatively far from the first one, you know, in a bigger city, first one in 2020, 
three. And then we're going to do, if that one goes successful, successful, we're going to drop three locations in 2024. So that gets me really jacked up because wow. I love to travel. So it'll just give me an excuse to go, um, where, uh, where, wherever the business is. So, and then I could pick like, Hey, I really like Phoenix. So let's put one down in Phoenix. You know what I mean? I'd like to be down there a lot yeah. in the winter time, seeing as I'm from Wisconsin. So, um, that gets me really excited. And, uh, just to, to step away, to, to finally, you get, like you said, in the beginning, your business can become a baby and you get so sucked into it. And, and to, I'm kind of coming out of this like season where I felt like I was drowning to realize like, oh yeah, I, I created this so that we could go out into the community and, and, and minister to, to, to people who are broken and lost. And, and I'm like, Hey, th this, it's actually starting to come to pass. So like, that's getting me really excited too, because, um, that's really where my heart is to see people who don't realize that they could have a better life finding the freedom that they have. So to watch those people come alive and realize that this business that uh, my wife and I started is going to help fund that and make it so we don't have to be dependent on donations and things like that has been really, it's, it's got me really excited. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well done. You know, you talk about how the chaos and the demand of a, of a growing business can sometimes disconnect you from things that you're like, oh, I forgot. I wanted to, to create this for this reason. And I lost that for a second. Sometimes I see as well, we lose care for ourselves where mm -hmm. all of a sudden we, we're stressed out all the time and don't even recognize that that's weird. Or we've stopped taking care of ourselves physically or emotionally or spiritually or whatever. How have you gone about making sure that, that you continue to care for and keep yourself vibrant and alive and that kind of stuff in the middle of all the pressure and the demands the business creates on you? Well, to be honest, unfortunately, I let that get to me. I had a pretty big breakdown. Um, I, I, you know, I, I melted and just all of a sudden one week just couldn't get out of bed. I just was like mm. depressed and anxiety ridden. And, and that's when it became eye opening. And, and especially with the business coach that I have and some of my uh, high level employees are like, dude, this quarter, because we have quarterly rocks and goals. Yeah. that my number one goal, my only goal was to figure out how to take care of myself. So that's when I realized like, man, I cannot go on all, uh, all cylinders all the time. And, and yeah. I saw this video and this guy was like, Hey, God rested on the seventh day. Are you better than God? I was like, Oh crap. When you say it like that, it makes me sound. So that's when I started to build a routine of like, you know, working out, making sure I'm eating the right foods. Look like Brendan Burchard talks about how he, he ate a, drinks a green drink every day. He had this like daily routine, like just borrowing from these really successful guys who yeah. do accomplish a lot more than I accomplish and realizing like, what do I like about their routine? And then it's just like with the business, uh, you know, you can uh, pick and choose what you like and don't like, but just making sure that I'm sticking to it because that's a slippery slope too. You, you take a little bit of it away and, uh, you don't realize it at first. And then a little bit more goes away. A little bit more goes away. And the next thing you know, you're like in it and out yes. of control and it's, it's a mess. So yes. yeah, self-care huge, huge. So what are the, what are the current routines? And the re what, reason I say current is because they evolve and they change and you, 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 you find things that work different in different seasons, but what's the current routines that you've found to be helpful for you? Um, I love lifting weights hundred percent. So I try to do that in the morning this today I'm going to be doing it in the afternoon, but just getting that, pushing that out and, and just being physical. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily like aerobic exercise too much, but I'm adding that back in. Cause I I've been told it's, it's something that sh really lowers your stress. And I did re notice that when I was, um, running, uh, then I, I have, uh, 
the, 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 the supplements in the morning, I make sure I'm taking that, but I always wake up and I pray. Um, I, I like to read the Bible. I like to read other devotional books. I don't touch my phone first thing in the morning. Mm. Um, I shut all my notifications off on my phone. So I, I check my phone when I want to, that was a huge one. Um, I completely cut social media out of my life. I don't touch that. Cause that also was really affecting me. And then, um, making sure I have a weekly date night with my wife, that one, we hit or miss a lot, but we want to get that back in. Uh, and then time with the kids. Cause that, I think, I don't know if there's any fathers or mothers out there who really understand how difficult it is when you realize like, man, I am missing a lot of my kid's life. And it, it all of a sudden one day just piles up on you. Like, man, I didn't get in this to not be a good dad. I got in this mm. because I wanted to be the best dad. I wanted to provide the best life for my kids. And it can be a kind of a crushing thing when you realize like, dude, I'm giving up a lot uh, of my time with my kids. So just making sure I find ways to implement that in. Huge. Yeah. I like that. It's multidimensional. It's the physical part of it. it. There's some of the spiritual part. There's some of the relational stuff that we got to build in there. It's not just, did I eat and work out? That's definitely part of it. <laughs> but, but there's more to self-care because there's more to you than just a physical person. There's an emotional person. There's a mental person. There's a spiritual person, right? And I think as business owners, we often forget the permission we have. We created this, you know? So mm -hmm. if we create this business you have the permission to build in whatever you need to build in for you, for your employees, for your life. Like that's so much burden comes with creating a business. That's the blessing. So it's like, don't just take on the burden without also taking on the blessing, which is you get to decide. No one gets to decide for you. There's no boss over you that says, sorry, man, you can't work out in the mornings. Sorry, you got to be here. You can't go do that. It's like, no, we get to do that, but we forget, right? Yeah. It's almost like the 100%. business starts leading us instead of us leading the business and then going, you're right. I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And for me personally, you know, I started to get like, when I see people working really hard for me, then I start to feel guilty. Like, well, you know, I got to be there all the time. Like, it, you know, well, that's three people that have three different shifts and you're there during all three of their shifts, just because you feel bad that they're there. You know, you got to be like, come on, man, if you don't take care of yourself, they, they're not going to be there because there's not gonna be a place for them to be. Yeah. 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 Often when we hear people say, I can't, even in our own business, if one of our you know team members would be like, I, I can't do that. I can't find that time. We'll say, is that a prohibition or is that inhibition? Right? Yeah. Like prohibition is something externally is actually keeping you from doing that. And you can't really do anything about it. Inhibition is you don't think you can do that. There's no external reason why you can't do it. But internally it might be guilt. You might, like you said, sometimes we feel guilty. Like, oh, I feel guilty not doing this and it's like oh well let's explore that because that might be a bullshit feeling you have yeah we could get rid of and then you would feel the permission to do the thing that you you want to do right mm -hmm. and it's just so funny how we treat everything like prohibition like i can't do that i can't yeah. do that well stop and ask why why can't you do that and if there's a good reason fine then we'll we'll work around that obstacle and we'll figure out somewhere else in your calendar or whatever but nine times out of ten man it's inhibition right hundred yeah. mm -hmm. percent same thing I heard, uh, I think it was uh, Denzel Washington was talking about this in like a commencement speech where he was talking about uh, complaining that he one day was complaining, I can't change my life, everything's going against me, I can't do anything. And then he said he had this realization that the bus leaves every day. He's like, literally, whether it's like, I can't stay in this town. He's like, well, the bus leaves every day. Go catch the next bus. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. 
And he was thinking about just like all the excuses he had. And he's like, the bus leaves every day. Yeah. Go get on a bus. Go start changing your relationships. Go start changing. Like there's buses every day that can take you out of where you are. And man, that, that phrase just sticks with me so many times. Like, man, the bus leaves every day. Go grab a ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why that's, <clears throat> I think that's why a lot of whoever's listening, who started a business or you, you and myself, we that's what got us in this. Like you can't yes. be a business owner if you don't decide like, I'm going to do something different for myself. Cause people who don't think like that kind of just fall into the nine to five. That's right. I mean, even if it's burning, pulling on your heart, it's because you know, you could possess the capacity to change the situation around you. And what better way to do it than by starting a business and being your own boss. Exactly. And that's what the wake up call was for me was I just wasn't built. There's certain personalities, not better or worse. I just wasn't built to just plug into a system. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a very good hire. That was just the reality of it. And so I had to realize, but I was built to go create stuff. And to if I beat by if I walk by the beat of a different drum, then let me go play that music, right? But then at some point you fall into the busyness and the autopilot of of the business you created. And it takes those business coaches, friends, partners to wake you up and go, No, you you did this for a different reason. Like, come on, keep being creative. Yeah. Come on, keep shaking up the way the typical way things are done, like try it, see if it, see if it works. Let the data speak. If you take a day off and it doesn't work, the data will show, but you take a day off and it increases your business. And you're like, well, dang, that was great for me to take a day off. You know, yeah, <laughs> it did yeah. work. Yeah. So that's what we 100%. do. We're, we're very experimental. Like, Hey, let's try it. Let's give it a quarter. And if you want to, if you want to structure your day that way, structure your day that way. And then we'll see, we'll see if that worked for you. And we'll see if it worked for the business and we can kind of go from there. Um, man, this has been so fun. Sean, thank you for taking your time. I'm going to get to our lightning round questions and then I'm going to let you get back to your day because I know you've probably got plenty of stuff to do after this. So we have five questions that we've asked every founder on the podcast. And I'm going to start with question number one for you. Oh boy, this is ingrain- where we find out that I don't really know anything about it. <laughs> Not <kidding>. at all. <laughs> Dude, we're all that way. You know, the imposter syndrome is real. And it's prevalent in all of us. All of us yes. think we're just faking it till we make it. Uh, so, no, your answers are going to be great. Question number one. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? This, that there's more to life than money. Like, go after it, you know. Go, don't let money be the bottom line that drives you to, to, do, to do what you want to do. Love it. All right, question number two. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also what was the worst advice you got? Um, well, somebody did tell me that it is all about the bottom line and that's, you know, to just, uh, who cares what the customer thinks? I think that I didn't go off of that, but that was, I definitely didn't take that. But the best advice <laughs> that I've gotten was, um, you, you hit on it earlier. It's just like, Hey, you, you can make this what it is. And this isn't only just for the, my business, but for the church we run to is somebody told us, make it a place you want to go to church, make it a place you want to work at. And that was some of the best advice I got on that. Love it. Okay. Number three, what causes you currently the most stress or worry leading your organization? You know, it's so funny because I, it's, it's the first, uh, the first question was, um, the response was don't worry about money, but really cash flow does cause stress. It really does. And I try to fight that a lot. So it's not like I'm like, Hey, I don't care about money at all. No, I I got goals and dreams and and things I want to hit. So like, you know, cash flow does cause me a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, And that's one of those interesting dichotomies in life where you're like, I don't care, but I have to care. 
you know, it's yep. not everything, but it is something. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's just about like how we handle that pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, number four, I think you already answered this earlier, but I'm going to ask it again in, in case there's anything we missed. But the question number four is what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? And I know you mentioned the, you know, a new city in 2023 and a few more after that. Is there anything else you would add to that? Yeah, we actually have our big, um, hairy, audacious goal for our 10 years is to have 500 life changed employees, not just 500 people who worked for us, but 500 people whose lives actually changed because they worked for Daymakers Moving. So that's posted up everywhere here. Love it. Love it. Okay. Number five, this is a kind of break from the business questions. If you could hop into a DeLorean and you get to go back to your past, but the rule is we're not there to change anything. We just were there to pass along a message. If you could go back to your past and pass along one message to that younger version of yourself, when would you go back and what would you say to yourself? Man, I would, you know, I'd probably go back to when I was 12. Um, and I would, I would probably say, you know, Jesus is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. So let's skip all the pain you go through in these next 10 years and just jump right into Jesus right now. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Sean, man, this has been so refreshing for me. Uh, it's amazing to see what you've built and to hear your heart and the deeper, the deeper aspects and truth of life coming out. Um, and man, again, congratulations to you. I know it's been what a decade now of sobriety for you. Yes. And yes. man, that is, a, that is a miracle. Uh, thank so you. absolutely. Congratulations, buddy. And thank you for being on the podcast. Hey, it was an honor. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.